You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined once again by Corey, the Bayou Benders. And this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. guys we are back once again for another wonderful episode of Habs Nightly. Corey man we haven't spoken in a couple days things are hectic but you know we did have a fucking amazing game to watch Habs versus Philly. We had the debut of the reverse retro jerseys we're going to talk about both of those things. Before we get into that how are you doing buddy? Hey uh um, I'm still a little under the weather, but um, I, I can breathe again, and uh, and that's the main thing, you know. I can, I can, I can get through the day. Um, yeah, a little overworked right now, but it's coming to an end, and I'll be um, wishing I was making more money. You know, I'll be back into that swing, but I'll be able to watch uh, that much more hockey and have a life again so that's that's fucking awesome uh but i'm doing good dude uh i had to work uh the saints game today i couldn't tell you if they won i don't care um yeah that's i've just i've just been working my ass off uh but uh how how are you bud (laughs) i'm pretty good man i uh went back to ottawa visit my sister for the weekend so that was pretty nice um you know, the new, the new Jersey game was, you know, it was tough because we lost, but the Habs still scored like four goals. It was a fun game to watch. No, the Columbus. reverse retros looked that gorgeous. Was Columbus. Yeah. Or sorry, it was Columbus. Sorry. Yeah, no, I New Jersey, that. we got pumped. But, um, I mean, do you want to go straight to that or you got some more things you want to bring up about your, your weekend? Uh, I, you know, not too much on the weekend. Just went okay. out to the bars with my sister one night. Nice. Went out with the lads the other night from Ottawa. So, are you still doing your uh, your fake coach uh, thing with the boys? I am still doing that. That's actually tonight <laughs> after uh, after I'm done recording here. Oh yeah, head out, get the suit on. Looking dude, that's, like Don that's, Terry. That's so sick, dude. I'm not gonna lie. That's some that's some elite level comedy. Yeah, man. We're the uh, the team name is the Mighty Drunks. Uh, we have the Atlanta Thrashers jerseys because someone sniped the Mighty Ducks from us. But <laughs> no, it was good. We uh, won our last game in a fucking shootout. Yeah, I saw Rylan uh, scored. Your body. Yeah, be- did you like my camera work? That's you on the camera. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. I was down the hall and I had to run out, so I was recording it through the boards, but. Oh, it was a good time, and yeah, it's fun. We uh, got like one or two games a week. It's like an all-star game. L- Lugs the cool, uh, a uh, cool, what do you want to call it, uh, organization. Well, it looks like the boys are having a lot of fun, and uh, it's really cool to see 
like since it's like not school you know like it's not really school related i guess or affiliated no I just affiliation think i just think it's really cool that there's like an outlet like that for y'all you know oh yeah it's sick like it's yeah, like you said yeah no affiliation with the school so because that's like the best years to be playing you know what i'm saying like just in college and if if you're not doing it you know for your school just to be doing it uh has got to be just that much more fun because at that point you know you're just probably getting fucking wasted you know <laughs> actually just having a, fun uh, playing the game no no alcohol policy for oh, luck jeez so no before pops or just uh no, after no before pops just okay after. that's fine dude then then you're just you're still just playing you know it's like a little park league well exactly and like i said i am team coach so i gotta make sure the boys are fit ready to uh take on the, the day's challenges nice all right but uh, i should have just called them the milk bags like <laughs> no milk bags <laughs> uh well moving on to maybe some higher level hockey the habs did play yeah let's let's yeah, just Philly. briefly talk um new jersey real quick you um, talk new jersey okay well evgeny dadanov had a beautiful goal amongst the fucking onslaught that is uh new jersey right now but uh it was a sick goal but more more than anything just uh we didn't really have a a lot of great comments to say about the the canadians reverse retros when they came out but i guess let's uh let's see how we feel about just seeing them on ice how you know like do you have a, a different reaction to it now or to the reverse retros? Yeah, like the like after seeing them I play loved, in it. When I saw them kit. on the ice, I thought they were gorgeous. Okay, yeah. I only when I saw them on the ice though. Once like, but I still, however, I think the red Habs logo is I just don't like I don't think it fits. I think yeah, I feel that logo. but I do like them. When I see when I saw them in person, I think they look clean. I'll probably get one now, now that I've seen them the way they look. I don't know if I'm gonna get this one. Um I don't have the other one. So I don't either. And I'm really pissed I didn't get the other one. Like I should have found a way to move money around to get it. Um the kit is clean though. Uh I love I love the I don't know. My my first my first comment on it was okay, it's just our regular pants. But it's got like a nice level of like there's just like a good balance between like the the light blue on you know the bottom half to the top, and it's I guess fucking if it don't if it's not broke don't fix it you know with the with the the regular blue pants, uh, but the red is just a little. It's weird. It kind of looks like something you'd see on like the All Star jerseys, um, but it it did look good in person. Well, not in person, but as a full kit. The boys did look good in it. No, yeah, I, I loved it. And it looks like however the Hobbs reverse retro curse continues. <laughs> still in still in effect, but you know, if they're gonna lose every game uh <laughs> they wear with reverse retros, then I say bring it on. That's great because I think okay. we're wearing it like wear another nine times. <laughs> well, and like you can't really like Sorry, they wore them against Columbus, right? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Am I mistaken? N- I know. 
No, they wore them against New Jersey. I don't think that it was next Jersey. Year. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was a couple days ago. Um, but losing to New Jersey, like that team is so fucking hot right now. I know. And like, I think beyond that, they went on to win like another two games. They're like, still they're winning. Still, yeah. <clears throat> they're on like a 12 game win streak. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. Good for them. It's actually nuts. And the Leafs have randomly soared back into contention, too. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, how, like, I guess we all should have seen how good New Jersey was going to be. I think we all knew they were going to be a good team. But it seemed like they were poised to break out for a while now and hadn't. But once they got rolling, they have not looked back. Jesper brought in the sixth round, like, I think yeah. after last year and even the season before that, we knew that Jesper Bratt was a player. Yeah, I've actually uh, – I think this is like my third year grabbing him in fantasy. Uh, I think the first year I got him, you know, like midseason, he was just doing a little something. And then the last two years I've drafted him. He's been well, amazing. Yeah. You could tell he, you knew he was a player. I don't know if I knew he was going to – grow even more off of last year but he's on pace to shatter his career high nico excuse me sorry nico heischer finally kind of breaking out too he did so last year with 60 points 70 games but he's now over a point a game jack hughes finally healthy i think everyone in hockey with any sort of knowledge knew that he was going to break out this year mm-hmm. even if he you know, he kind of did so last year, too, with 56 points in 49 games. But you knew he was going to break out big time this season. He's doing that. They're a well-balanced team. Dougie Hamilton on the back is amazing. Miles Wood has just randomly kind of found a goal-scoring touch for them as an in-depth role. John Marino, great with that top pairing with Dougie Hamilton. Like, I know we're a little off base here talking about the Devils, but this is a really fucking good hockey team. Like watching, watching them play. Like if they could, you know, get some. What do you want to call it? Consistency, some security. If Mackenzie Blackwood becomes healthy, and Vanacek has a good backup tendy, like and they've got that one-two duo. This is a team that I think could make a really deep run in the playoffs this year. No, absolutely. And they had that. Uh, the uh, Akira kid came in, and he was he held his own pretty well too. Uh, I think that was like that's my main thing. It's like how how is goaltending gonna do in the in the, in the stretch? But th- this team's just finding a way to make it work. So uh, fun to watch. I guess I uh, little place in my heart just from fucking you know running well producing that that uh, group for THPN until me and you linked up. Uh, I got a. <laughs> I got a Terrell Hall, uh, New Jersey Devils uh, jersey. Uh, I guess in, like, it was, I bought it after uh, I stopped doing the the podcast. Uh, and I think it was just because, uh, like, a, a, a milestone, I guess we could call it, you know, to look back on, like, uh, never really thought I was going to be a fan of this team, but, you know, recording and, and doing so much work with with uh, with them for THPN uh, kind of made me like a little mini fan. And then uh, meeting Neil, 
you know, and Neil's ignorant, fucking overly hyper intense self uh, really, <laughs> really makes watching New Jersey fun. But yeah, dude, let's uh, let's move on, I guess. Absolutely. Um, like you said, Habs played Philadelphia on Saturday. Um, really, really, really good game. Habs continue to claw their way back into it constantly. And then that Cole Caulfield tying goal. Oh my fucking god, that was gorgeous. But before we even get to that, um that first line continues to dominate. Yeah. Um Nick Suzuki had two just amazing assists to fucking like oh my god i can't even begin to describe how that first pass to mike matheson mm-hmm. like for his <laughs> first assist of the night that was so gorgeous and if you watch in slow-mo you see he barely glances over his shoulder to see if he's there he knew exactly where matheson was gonna be put it on his stick perfectly in the slot off a little spinorama that was a big goal too that was to put the habs ahead um and for it to be Mike Matheson, too, in his first game as a Montreal Canadian in his hometown, it, you could not have drawn that one up better. No, that was electrifying. Um, now, I guess before we we get a little bit further into the game, uh, Mike Matheson himself um, finally makes his debut. Big game. Fucking, I mean, unreal goal for him. But um, how do you feel about the decision to take out uh who was it Harris was the the outlier in that game I don't like it because I think Harris has been one of our best um mm-hmm. defensemen and, and then he scored but, the previous game if I'm not mistaken in Columbus like he's yeah what I don't what I don't like and that's consensus I think among a lot of Habs fans we mm-hmm. don't think it was a bad idea however I don't agree that Jack, I should have sat either because you look at what yeah. he did in that game. He took a fight from Delorier. I know people are getting fed up with it, and I think they're fucking stupid. Jack guy's made a name for himself. Guys want to take him down a notch. That's what's happening. He'll get over it. But what he provides offensively, like, you know, aside from the fact that he has five points, two goals, and three assists, he does drive the offense fairly decently like he plays well he is effective does he take penalty he takes so many penalties that i feel like it kind of negates it and if you've seen his j fresh card you'll know exactly what i mean great underlying straight zero (laughs) but zero due to penalties i don't think jack guy deserves to get out of the lineup either though so i think you take kovacevic out there but Marty St. Louis did say that it's going to be rotation between Kovacevic, Jack, Guy, and Harris. Uh, you needed to get Matheson in there. One game isn't going to destroy Jordan Harris's confidence. He knows. Yeah. I think he understands the deal. And it's a learning curve. Jordan Harris was playing 20 minutes a night before that. Okay. He's not, they're not sending him down. He's not going to get benched. I think he's here to stay. And I don't know. I think there's a little bit of an overreaction to that uh, move, to be honest. Okay. Uh, no, no, that's fair. But I mean, you said what I was going to say, like y- you have to play Matheson. Uh, so it's just, you know, th- who's going to be in the rotation as far as cycling in and out, you know, um, 
but yeah, no, Jordan Harris has been playing phenomenal. Uh, Jack, I, I don't see why people are upset with him. You, you want this, this team's electrifying. They're, they're fun to watch again. I just saw a fucking tweet um, saying that this is a playoff caliber team. Um, I think, I think that's a, a, a wish. Um, I think the boys are capable of going, uh, I guess, getting close to it, but I, I don't think we're there yet. You want Jack. You want him, you know, with all his penalties. Like, he's perfect for this team right now. Like, he is, you know, doing his part to let the young guys and, well, anybody. He's let, He's doing his part to make sure that our scoring is open and nobody is, you know, over – how do you say it? You know, like, um, like getting over on us. Like, he's literally, you know, sheriffing nice for the Habs, and we need that. And um, the the Delorier fight was great. You know, he's taking on fucking big-name guys. What's not to like about that? And like I said, too, he drives offense. I don't care if you think, like, if ignore the penalties. He does – Jack guy does things, and I'm not – shitting on Harris because Harris does he everyone's got a role well. but that kid just says he's Jack I I'm not seeing even that job I'm not even saying that Jack I does it better than Harris he does it differently and I do think it's an element the Habs need but he does drive the play he does so effectively and he's improving every game I don't think I think ideally you don't bench I don't have to bench any of them because David Savard just isn't on your team but you know, it happens, but I, I just, I don't know. I'm not too, too worried about Harris sitting for a game too. But what I think is important to not forget, because um, as enamored as we are with our three, you know, three, we have four rookie defensemen, but our three true rookie defensemen. Um, Let's not forget too that there's another guy Um. <laughs> who I think, Corey, you and I both thought was going to be on the team this year in the AHL right now, Justin Barron, who has yeah. eight points in 17 <laughs> games, is a pretty good skater, looked like he fit in in the NHL last year. At some point, he's going to get a shot. So I think it'll be – this won't be the first time we have this debate of who should we bench, Harris or Gooley – or not Gooley, Gooley will never be in there, Harris or – Jack guy or Kovacevic, mm-hmm. that sure. I think this is going to be a debate that we have for a very long time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've kind of had, we've kind of been on this for a while, uh, like knowing this was coming, and now we're finally like, it, it is a topic every you know. Well, it'll it'll become a topic every other game, um, because now the boys are finally up. You know, before it was, you know, you got all these kids in the pool that are that are going to be ready to come up, and now we're we're seeing what what you know type of juggling has to happen to to give these guys their reps that you know they're proving to be deserving of. Um, but look, there's more. There's some you know there's some really big moments left in this Philly game to talk about. So, uh, I mean, obviously the one point nine seconds left in the game, Cole Caulfield fucking uh tie up but uh 
No, yeah, we we touched on Mike Matheson, so that's that is the next that is the next big one. Uh I don't think there was a a single Habs fan whether they're watching the game, they're at work, they're listening to it on the radio that you know didn't get fucking goops goosebumps, didn't just stop what they were doing and just lose their fucking mind at this this play itself, like it's not just his goal, because obviously that's that's why everyone's excited. But like, what the guys were able, like, capable of doing in those final seconds was so fucking unreal. Um, how do you like what what was going on in your head? Um, well, like I said, I missed. Like, I was hopping in like an Uber. <laughs> When like, I watched the whole game, I swear to God, I watched everything except for that last minute because my Uber showed up. But when I watched the highlight, I lost my fucking mind. What a fucking play all around. Just the, the pressure the Habs maintained in the zone. Kirby Doc is so fucking good on the boards. Like, I want to <laughs> remind me to get back to that, Corey. Yeah. But... At the end of the day, it always it always seems to just the puck finds a way to Cole Caulfield. And yes, it's because he has a penchant for getting open as a lot of goal scorers do. Yes, he can shoot the puck like no tomorrow. I think Cole easily should have had a hat trick if it wasn't for Carter Hart stoning him a couple times. Carter Hart played good that game too. I really he's been having really a great, a great bounce back year. Absolutely. But the pass from Nick Suzuki. Oh my God. It was just. And I think I saw too, there was a quote about Caulfield saying they locked eyes before he made the pass. Caulfield always seems to know where Suzuki is. And I think it's funny because last year there was this narrative that they had no chemistry together. <laughs> but they seem to be proving that wrong right now because you watch that play over and over as I'm doing uh, here right now. Suzuki knew where Caulfield was the whole fucking way. And I, I think, you know, we're going to talk about them. Not enough credit, I don't think, goes to the rest of the team there. You know, Mike Matheson did a great job QBing that. But yeah, watching that pass again, he just slings it over. Absolute no-looker. It's gorgeous. And the Bell Center has not been, I think, at least, I would say all year, definitely. And Gallagher went out and said it too. The Bell Center was loud. It's one of the loudest I've heard of the Bell Center in a while. So it was definitely a really special moment. And then uh, for the boys to finish it off in the shootout too, that was awesome. Um, I don't know who it is. Um, but if if you if you rewatch it, and this is something fun for everyone, because I mean this is a rewatchable clip. Um, but you know, Cole Caulfield scores. I mean, the place lights the fuck up, dude. It gets so fucking loud. You can just like the the glass is just shaking everywhere. But watch Nick Suzuki as he's coming across the front of the goal. Uh just does a little little stick tap on somebody's shins. I think it's a uh, fuck. I can't I can't make out what number it is, but uh, I don't know what happened during the game. 
uh but gives them gives them a little pop uh right on the shin maybe who, it's a friend was it uh it's something seven so either 27. oh it was, sorry it was sorry it was d'angelo was it really yeah, it was Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> so you know something was probably said. Yeah, so I'm sure like there was like something throughout the game that was, you know, who knows? I Suzuki's a class guy, but it's like little subtle things like that. Like you he's, remember he I think he, Suzuki's a class guy, but he, I don't think we give him enough. No, he he definitely has his, he's he's cheeky. Dude, you remember he fucking he gave a little uh, little little dust up, yeah, head tap on fucking as a rookie. Uh, <laughs> Carter Hart, like, dude, uh, Philly is definitely, you know, his. You see some of his funnest games for Nick Suzuki against Philly. There uh, is a, there is an underrated intensity to Habs Philly games these past few years, and I think it all stems from the bubble, the bubble that playoff series that the Habs, you know. They had a few should have won. <laughs> should have won. Really, they outplayed them. Um, yeah, no, I I love to see that. I love the uh, the cheekiness to his game. Yeah, all around great guy. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, circling back. Um, because just something I noticed in that game, especially, and I, I we talk. It seems like we talk about him every fucking. <clears throat> Actually, no, sorry. Before I go to Kirby Doc, I also want to highlight Nick Suzuki now top 10 in NHL scoring. Hell yeah. Uh, on the most inflated shooting percentage <laughs> I think I've ever seen at 27.5. That's going to come back down to earth for sure. But it's funny, a couple of days after we're talking about it, he goes and you know puts two dimes dishes him out for cole caulfield for another two-point night he's been playing absolutely incredibly um yeah big praise to nick suzuki i think he's also like is he he's gotta be top 10 in goals too right let's have a look he uh, is ninth and tied for or tied he's tied for sixth in goals only five players have more goals than him. He's on an absolute tear this to start this season. Um, but yes, Kirby Doc on the boards. Um, you know, we've talked spoken a lot about his playmaking ability, his skill, how he fits in. He very rarely loses a battle on the boards. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, Corey, but he's he prolongs the offensive zone mm-hmm. time for Caulfield and Suzuki like exponentially. And it's just with these the great little stick lifts and having that reach. And, you know, we used to hear Dave Poulin say it all the time on the Habs broadcast, even though he's doing it less now. He would say, if you were a good offensive player, you can be a good defensive player. And Kirby Doc's kind of offensive zone defensive stick where he's, you know, stealing the puck back and working hard it's really impressed me this season and it's not something I knew he had in his arsenal. No, absolutely. Um, his ability to keep the play alive or extend it. Like he said, uh, that's a great point. Um, his just arsenal is so, is so big. And I guess we, that's something we never really watched before um, because we haven't had, you know, this many uh, watching eyes on him, but 
you know, to not only just be, you know, effective offensively, but he's like, you, you, you know, what was our first, you know, take on him when we brought him up on this season was, uh, you know, what to expect from him. Like, what was the point totals that we thought was needed for him to, to be worth our time or like, you know, to see like if he was going to have, um, longevity with us a bounce back maybe um and it's now it's like having a couple of games under our belt to be able to watch him you just see how um just how like well thought out his game is and just really how skillful he is you know just beyond um you know offensive chances like his boards work is unreal uh i don't see a lot of people critiquing you know his strength at all anymore it's uh his his mind for the game is just second to none. No, absolutely. I think he does think the game really well too. But I th- I just think like the tool set is so diverse, and I think that mm-hmm. what we're seeing here is him using that brain to understand that he what he needs to do to augment himself to then improve the play of Suzuki and Caulfield. I think what we've been seeing is amazing. No, absolutely. Uh, like, just keep it, it. It just, I don't know, just keep it alive, you know? Uh, no, absolutely. And if you had told me at the start of the season that he would be a, a point off a point per game at this junction of the season, I would have said, you're crazy. And I probably would not have bet money on that. However, <laughs> if I were to, I would use DraftKings. And I think we have a word from them. Absolutely. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $100 in 50, $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot in an even bigger payout. Y'all remember to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN as in the Hockey Podcast Network. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, dude, you're getting so good at these little uh, transitions. All right, well, yeah, thank you for that. Um <laughs> So we've kind of spoken, you know, about Caulfield Suzuki doc a lot lately. Um, we didn't talk, I don't think enough about Mike Matheson there at the uh, first kind of half. Yeah. So why don't we give him some time in the limelight? I know Corey, you didn't really get to watch the game, but yeah. So how do how do you? Yeah. Sorry, what? No, no, I was gonna say. So how do you? You know, how did you like his game? I, I thought he played great. I thought he provided everything. Uh, we kind of saw in the preseason. I think a lot of us forgot about what he could bring, but he scored a goal. He, you know, I think he had a little bit of a rough start shaking off the rust, but the offense is there. Um, the brain, the hockey brain, he provides something that I don't think anyone else on the Habs can provide at that level yet, except maybe mm-hmm. Kate Cooley. I still think Mike Matheson's better at it. Um, we, he's the guy you need. You need him on your power play. Absolutely. You do. 
And I think as the games continue to uh, go forward and he, you know, you know, gets the rust off completely, starts to get into the lineup, I think he's going to fit into this team perfectly. I think Mike Matheson's a guy that I think he can stick around. I don't think this is, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he is a veteran presence on a competing team in a couple of years. No, I think that's, I think that's fair to say. And, uh, a hometown type of guy, you know, like this is, I, I'm not going to say this is the end, you know, he's on the end of his, or the the second half of his career, but you could see this guy, you know, like he, what better place to be than in your hometown and like be excited to play for your hometown in a, in a time where the team is actually, you know, re reintroducing itself like this new era of Habs what better time to go and play for your hometown, your, you know, your favorite team growing up and, you know, be in the wonder years of your career. Like this is, we're going to see some top notch Mike Matheson. No, absolutely. I think it's a little early to say that he may be the solution. I just think that he's, I'm not calling him the solution. No, no. I just, I'm, I'm saying like, I like as, as a sense of like, I don't know how he's going to play for the rest of the season, but through preseason, through watching him in Florida, watching him in Pittsburgh, watching even that one game, I think he's a guy that fits the system very well. Mm-hmm. I think he's a Marty St. Louis player for sure. and Definitely uh, a guy that will adapt to the system. Yeah, and we know he's definitely a Kent Hughes guy. So it's interesting. Interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see where uh, he go, where he is in the next few years if he's still with the Habs. I would put money on him still being in the Habs uniform come uh, come the next three seasons or so. He just comes off as a guy that he knows his game, but he has no problem adjusting it uh, to be here. Like he just comes off as like a very humbling. Like I'll I'll do whatever it takes to you know to play here. And I think he'd do that for any team he's on, but like this one is just that much more important. No, oh, fuck, I was muted. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. I think he's going to be a strong veteran presence. Um, I guess we'll kind of end things off here. Um, unless you have something else, unless I'm forgetting something we discussed previously, Corey, jump in if I am. Um, uh, I don't think we are. I think we covered everything we wanted to. Uh, okay, well... Before we kind of end things out here, we'll just last, I guess, last little spiel. Uh, we're getting kind of into the season now. Uh, we're about almost 20 games in. Look, we, there's still a lot of hockey to be played. We're, we're about the quarter mark. Um, I just want to know, you know, you got to start thinking about trade soon. I know that, you know, not quite yet. It's not quite the time. But... Um, you know, we got to start thinking about it. And honestly, the more I look at it, the more I analyze it, I don't think the Habs have the trade, um, the trade bait we thought they might going into the season. Um, Sean Monahan has 10 points in 18 games. I think he's doing well. I think he's going to continue to improve. I think he's absolutely trade bait. The Vorak has nine and 18. Um, Hoffman has eight and 16. Anderson has seven and 16 Savard six points in 18 games. You're not really trading for his point production, but 
you know, it's there, I guess. Drew in only four and 12. Um, Mike, like Dadanov has one goal in 14 games. You, Armia's played seven games, hasn't registered a point. I think a lot of people need to temper expectations for the next 20 games here because as of right now, you look at the Habs stats, there are three, maybe four forwards, if you want to include Monaghan, that are carrying all the burden. Mm-hmm. Maybe give Dvorak a little bit of a shout too, although I, I, I think he's been lacking in a lot of areas. I don't it's tough. It's a one line team. We really are. We're like the Dallas stars a couple of years ago. So in kind of getting to my point here, what do you think? How do you think this bodes for the Habs? Because I'm looking at pieces like Hoffman, um, Anderson, Druin, Dadanov, especially who I think a lot of, you know, a lot of house fans were expecting that we were going to get some stuff back for them. Yeah. And if they continue with this production, you're, you're not only not going to get first round or second round picks, you may not get anything for these guys. I think, uh, I think they're still, they're placeholders for guys on the team. Um, yes. Our, our ideas were inflated at the time, you know, and they, you still want them to be, but they're not. And we're just going to have to take it for what it is. They might become um, like bundles, you know, as before as we expected them to to find momentum with this team and then be good, you know, material on their own. But they they might have to be package type of deals to to move on. Um, yeah, I, I think you said it pretty well. I think it, it's going to we're not going to be having the unreal return that we expected, but I think that's okay. Uh, you trust the system and trust uh, Hughes and Gordon. I think they'll find a way to make something work in our favor. Um, and, you know, it's just not, it's not what we expected, but uh, if anything, Mike Hoffman is still, you know, we could probably get something really nice for him, especially the way he's been playing. Does it not concern you, though, that, like, Dadanov, for example, isn't – like, you want to trade that guy? No, absolutely. Yeah, it is very concerning because you're picking in, him up as being a placeholder and someone who has found success in the past and he's not doing, doing it with this team. And it's looking like a failing asset that's – going to be a burden on us it's later definitely, yeah like I, I it's a depreciating asset that we did get for nothing i think realistically. I, exactly but, and i don't think i think it was it there's going to be a lot of guys that are just we got you we 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 didn't make a big sacrifice to get you unfortunately we're not gaining something to get rid of you I don't know. I guess that's that's that is the gamble, you know. It it is it is tough, you know, as a fan, but I don't if if he's not worth if he if no one's gonna take him for what we expect. Guess what I'm trying to we, get at. Go ahead. And what I'm trying to get at in saying that 
is I think a lot of, and I, I know we discussed it, but a lot of fans and analysts were talking about, you know, the Habs' ability to acquire even more draft picks mm-hmm. this season based on the fact that Sean Monaghan, of course, is a guy that's going to get shopped. They were talking about Dvorak. They were talking about Hoffman. They were talking about Dodonov was a big one too. Yeah. Savard, whatever, right? And it seems to me like that was a big part of Ken Hughes' plan. I don't think it was. I don't think it's oh they're placeholders and we should just you know take it as a bonus if we can get something for them. I think this you cannot tell me that this was not a meticulously thought out strategy, in which the Habs said we're gonna get guys for cheap that we know can produce with chances and we know they're on expiring contracts and we'll be able to ship them off for something. I'm not saying first round picks necessarily, but something, right? I think we're still going to get something. I don't think you're going to get anything for Dodonov if he has six points in 40 games, right? That's kind of what I'm getting at. And I think it's okay to be optimistic, which we are. I'm not upset with the direction. I'm not upset with Kent Hughes. None of this is, his, you know, the way they're playing is not his fault. However, I am saying, I think it, I think there is cause for concern among Habs fans because I think this was a big part of Kent Hughes' strategy and we're kind of witnessing it fall apart. I think it's a little, I don't know. I think it's, I think, I think this idea is a little inflated just a bit. I think there's a lot of people that are forgetting uh, what this man has already done. And I know it's it's not a, you know. What man, sorry? Uh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Well, I'm not saying like his grand plan has fallen apart. I'm not saying it's going to ruin the rebuild if we don't get these picks. What I'm saying is, though, I don't think it's a, a kind of bonus if we got the – I think we should be relying on getting those picks. Like it's something that we should have been – fairly yeah. comfortable in assuming. And I think a lot of us were, and I think Kenny Hughes was. So I think we, but I mean, we also anticipated this team to be like bone dry and they're not, they're like being successful too. So it's, it's also tough on us. And I, and I guess this is where, you know, this nervousness is coming from is, is the fact that we were playing a fun style of hockey and we're, we're actually, we're winning games, you know? So our, where we're going to lie is, is still up and up in the mix right now too, if, you know, for the draft. Um, yeah, it, it, it's tough. Uh, we we're just as of now, not getting as much as we expected. And, you know, I, I think that's going to turn a lot of fans, but they'll find a way to do something with it. No, that's fair. That's I think fair. I still think it's a, it's a bit early. I know we're we're coming in on twenty, and you know that's that's not really early anymore. But I think I think as far as what you know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> this is a tough one. Uh, I think there's still enough time for some of these guys to to find their rhythm. Um, I, maybe not the best example, but Arturi Lekkinen last year kind of found it right at the back end became unreal and was moved 
immediately. Okay, but I would argue, like, my argument to that is Arturi Lekkinen provides a lot to, well, for one, there was control. Yeah. Arturi Lekkinen was an RFA. Two, um, pedigree. Like, Lekkinen has big, he's a playoff performer, mm-hmm. right? And most importantly, Arturi Lekkinen is one of the most effective off-puck off players in the NHL. Like, what he provides on the forward check and what he provides defensively are invaluable to the Colorado Avalanche. That's why they were willing to give up so much for him. Right. Despite the fact that he wasn't scoring and they gambled and he the scoring touch came later. I have no doubt in my mind if Colorado picked up Mike Hoffman, he would start scoring goals, right? And I don't think that's the question for a lot of teams. The difference is that Mike Hoffman, Dodonov, Dodonov kills some penalties and he, I, you can give him a little, but I don't think he's a specialist at it. Um, Mike Hoffman, Dodonov, Anderson, um, who else? There was one other that I named. I'm drawing a blank. They don't provide anything else. They provide offense. So, oh, Druen, that was the other one. Mm-hmm. So when they're not scoring, I don't, I don't see what they provide as valuable to a team because none of them, the other thing is none of them are like veteran gritty guys that you can say, Oh, they've been on a run. They'll provide leadership. Right. Like Mike Hoffman, I would not say is the epitome of leadership in the national hockey league based on, that's fair. We, you know, what may or may not have happened with yeah, his wife. <laughs> but so I just, I don't know. I just don't see if I'm a GM, and all I know is Mike Hoffman scores goals. Jonathan Drewen provides offense. Josh Anderson is a big freight train who can score. And none of them are doing it. I'm not going to be that antsy to give up any, like my draft picks, especially given how valuable um, salary cap space is in today's NHL. And all four of the guys I mentioned, or sorry, three other than Hoffman, make north of $5 million a year. Yeah, but Tom will tell. I think let's revisit this and I don't know. That's, let's say another another fifteen games. We'll just take it a step at a time. All right. Well, speaking of taking it a step at a time, I think we've you know kind of given up all the content we can for today. Unless you have anything else you'd like to comment on. No, that's it. Okay, well, thank you, Corey, for uh, I know that you've had a fucking busy week, so I appreciate you getting on here with me. It was nice of us to catch up. Um, it was nice talking to all of you guys once again. Appreciate you guys coming by, listening, supporting the podcast. You can find us at Habs Nightly on Twitter and Instagram and at the Bayou Benders or say at Bayou Benders on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you know, give a follow, leave us a message at habsnightly.gmail.com. If you have any questions or inquiries, you want to reach out to us, we do check it. And uh, without further ado, that'll be it for today. We'll uh, speak to you guys on Thursday. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network.
New shows every day. Find us at the hockey podcast network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.